guys it's been about a month since i did the big chop and i can confirm i am still feeling myself feeling myself i'm feeling my <laughs> and you know what i've been watching youtube and following some natural hair bloggers but i think what would really help me at this stage in my hair journey is understanding the science of afro hair and what my hair really needs to be healthy Hi, my name is Leanne Ali, aka your resident podcast queen, and this is episode six of Coiled, the science of Afro hair and tips and tricks. In this episode, I speak to trichologist Ebony Adjua, who breaks down the science of Afro hair. Your hair doesn't have to be a struggle either. It can be so, so, so simple. And hairstylist Mimi Cohn, who gives us a whole host of black hair maintenance tips and advice. In order to maintain your natural afro hair, you need to go on a journey to understand your hair. Because the, what your hair, Leanne, will like is not the same as my hair will like. I'm actually so surprised how differently my hair behaves as to when it was relaxed. My hair dries so quickly. It really loves water and really soaks up the products that I use. But you know me, I still have some questions. I'm actually not sure what my regular routine should be. How often should I actually condition my hair? How often should I oil my scalp? And actually, really, am I doing too much? Because I'm still doing the pre-shampoo and shampoo and the conditioner and the co-wash and the deep conditioner. Really, am I doing too much? I don't know. I mean, there should really be an easy, simple routine that I can follow, right? So to figure this out, I spoke to Ebony, who is a trichologist. I'm based in London and I focus on um, Afro hair, so Afro hair loss, any scalp disorders and conditions we might face. Guys, I really spoke to Ebony with my shower cap on as I was deep conditioning whilst we were doing this interview. And I have to say, this is why I love this podcast, because what other podcast could I sit in my shower cap and do an interview? <laughs> but let's get into it. Let's talk about the science of Afro hair. And when we talk about this, the same concepts apply for both black women's hair and black men's hair. I started off by asking Ebony to break down exactly how Afro hair is structured and how this differs to Caucasian hair. Okay, so we call the strand the shaft. The shaft or the strand is kind of like interchangeable. And then you have the hair follicle, which is the whole unit kind of more under the skin of where the hair grows from. So what we see is actually like a lot deeper. Like if you were to pull or pluck a hair, you would see that there's the hair is a lot longer than what you see just from like the surface because it kind of like sits in the skin. It's surrounded by like glands and muscles and like a blood supply to help it grow. So it's growing for a little while before we actually see it hit the surface. Once the hair kind of like hits the surface and hits the outside and we can see it, those are dead cells. So they're not actually, so when we talk about hair health, I'm like, it's kind of an oxymoron because that, those cells aren't alive anymore. That structure isn't alive anymore, it's dead. So what we can do is affect the appearance of it or it can tell us the history of how our body was doing at that time when it was created. So tell me about what we need to feed Afro hair to make it grow and make it healthy. Sometimes I feel like we separate our hair from the rest of our body and don't think of it as like a part of like another organ or thing like that. And so when you say, what do we need to kind of like feed our hair or whatever for it to grow? I'm like, if you feed your body, 
by proxy, your hair is going to grow. So our body is supplied with like, you know, nutrients that we get from our food and our diet. And it will then take those resources and distribute them to the areas that it needs to go to. So, for example, like, you know, your oxygen will go to your lungs. It will feel like, you know, the rest of your body or like through the blood and stuff like that. So when people are, oh, what can I eat to make my hair grow? I'm like, if you're giving your body what it needs, it will decide where those foods go, where it needs those resources the most. And sometimes what we find is that when we have like a nutrient or health deficiency, our body then goes into like emergency shutdown mode. It's like, okay, I've only got a limited amount of resources. I'm just trying to keep you alive. I'm just trying to keep, you know, your your heart pumping, your brain going, your lungs and that kind of thing. And it will shut down everything else that's kind of unnecessary because it doesn't need those functions to survive. When you kind of, I don't want to say get it together, but when I've got ample resources to spare, then we can turn back on the lights. But for now, we've got candles, you know, it's like the green emergency lights in the plane, everything's shut down, like, yeah, that's how it works. That's such a good point that Ebony makes. As though our hair is external to us, it needs just as much nutrients as the rest of our body to stay healthy. With that in mind, as well as feeding our hair from the inside, can certain products really make our hair grow? Or should we be more focused on what we're putting into our bodies? So if it's that um, you feel like your hair is not growing, nine times out of 10, the problem is going to be internal. 0.0005% of the time, it's like a product issue. Product is usually just you're not getting the best look or feel out of your hair. You know what? That's been really interesting, as I have to say. And I know the girls in the last episode told me not to do this, but I have become a little bit of a product junkie since I transitioned. I can't lie. I've spent nearly 200 quid on products in the last month. And I've fallen into that trap of seeing things online that promote things like rapid hair growth and defined curls. And I'm like, oh, I think I need that. Oh, I think I need that. But now I'm questioning, A, why was I buying products on this basis in the first place? But B, in reality, what I've learned from Ebony is that the products that you put onto your hair actually have little impact on your hair's health. Products are really there to change the appearance of your hair. You just need to find a few core products that really work for you and that your hair loves. So with this in mind, what should we actually look for in our hair products? I remember quite a few years ago, there was a real shift in the industry. And this was for all hair products, not just for black hair products. I remember seeing in loads of adverts, people were screaming, no parabens, no sulfates. In my salon, I use products without parabens and dyes. Let nature go to your head with the new sulfate-free aloe collection. Professionals. All with no parabens, no dyes. See not to parabens. But what actually are parabens? And why should we avoid them? I really 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 find this topic kind of like quite touchy because um with a background like in science i kind of hear the market in terms or see things and i'm just like that doesn't make any sense to me and i guess a lot of companies play on people's maybe like lack of knowledge yeah it play, play on people's ignorance and lack of knowledge in this subject to kind of get them to move in certain ways and i think that once people understand that um products are usually quite reactive so um if like for example like we know that black women kind of like drive the culture so if they see online that you know people are talking about a certain thing or a certain ingredient or a certain method they will then try and align their marketing to fit that narrative rather than it being the other way around so like you said there was a shift and it was like um black women online were talking about you know 
these products maybe are not the best for us, people are having health problems and linking it maybe to the things that we were using. And then companies are just kind of like, oh, they don't want to buy our stuff anymore because it has X, Y, and Z in it. Let's remove it and be like, oh, look, we're the good guys because we don't have these things in. Um, so with parabens, they're actually a preservative. So they make sure that whatever product that you have, um, it doesn't grow mold, bacteria, doesn't cause you any like harmful issues. It's just you know what you're getting inside it and it's not like extra, you know, um, <laughs> organisms just floating around that could potentially make you sick. So some of them had been linked to, I think it was like endocrine disruptors, which were basically things that like mimic hormones in the body. So it can make your body feel like it's getting extra hormones and then can create a change in how your body works. But they've been tested so much. And I was actually doing some reading just to make sure. And um, there's like an EU science commission and they had given parabens safety ratings. So they said that at these concentrations, it's safe. What happens is though, is that when people report that, you know, these products or these ingredients are causing an issue, sometimes we take like a precautionary step. So people will try and be like, okay, let's put them on hold for a minute while we check. But what happens is that once they get a bad name, it's really, really hard to shake. So most cosmetic scientists that you will talk to will be like, parabens are safe, they're okay. In the levels that we're using them, they're absolutely fine. We don't have any studies that are proven to show a link between like paraben and any disorders or anything but because people have heard and brands went on the offensive were just like we don't have this we don't have this everyone now thinks that oh you know they're the bad guy and we'll stick up like stay away from them but I want a product with preservatives in it I don't want to buy something <laughs> that I don't know how long it's been sitting on the shelf what's growing in it that for me is more scary than what a preservative could do. Um, I think there are alternatives. I think it's really important that we try and find really good factual-based sources and check for ourselves because it can be a lot of Chinese whispers and it can things can get misconstrued very, very easily. And it's hard to kind of shake that negative um, connotation once it's come around. Guys, I'm finding this very mad because like we heard on episode two, when I was talking about where human hair is sourced, Labelling isn't always to be believed, and it's becoming clear that we need to do our due diligence as consumers. Otherwise, brands will convince us that we do not need certain things in our products, and that we do need other things to suit their business needs, when in reality, it's fine. So what about sulfates? As consumers, have we been led to believe that they're harmful when they're not? Emily, please break it down for us. Hashtag bring back sulfates. I think they are wonderful. <laughs> I think they are a wonderful ingredient. They are a cleansing agent which helps to bind and remove like oils, dirt, kind of that kind of thing. And for the typical woman with Afro hair or person with Afro hair, should I say rather, we use very um, oily kind of like fatty products on our hair. And we need something to be able to strip those off. So I give the example of, um, I'm Nigerian. If I was to wash um, a pot of stew with just kind of like hot water, there would still be oils all over the pot. And so I need to use dish soap. And sulfates are usually found in also in like our, our dish soap, in our washing powders, in even like our body gels and things like that. It's fit for purpose. And so again, like we've, we, when we talked about the parabens, companies will hear that um, sulfates are, you know, we have a problem with them because they're quite drying or quite stripping is like the main reason. Um, and so we're like, oh, we don't use uh, sulfates. We don't use these harsh ingredients. We use something more gentler. And I'm like, okay, but gentle, but is it effective? Does it cleanse my hair to the the, way, the level that I need it to be cleansed? And also 
is this any more drying or is it because you've put more products on top of it to make it feel better or you know what is it actually doing again it's finding products and ingredients and formulations that are appropriate to your hair needs rather than this is good this is bad because everyone has their individual sensitivities or um preferences i trust professionals so I know that someone went to school to study chemistry and cosmetic science, and they understand that if I put X and Y together, it's going to give me a really good formula that cleanses and does, you know, yada, yada, yada. I trust them because I know that if someone gave me a lump of coal and was just like, yeah, can you like make like a diamond out of this? I'd be like, what do I do? But if I can give it to someone who understands or they can process it to get the best out of that, that, that ingredient. And I think, um, we have a lot of mistrust in our community. Some of it is very, very valid, but some of it is also the fire is stoked to push people in another direction. So when some of the like buzzwords I hear are like chemical free, I'm like, it's, imp- it's impossible, impossible. As we're sitting here, we are breathing oxygen, there's carbon around, there's nitrogen, there's bare gases in the air. I'm like, you, somebody that didn't go to school. How do you guys? <laughs> How do you guys like make up these? It proper frustrates me because I'm like, you like my people are perishing because of lack of knowledge. You're making people be out here with musty scalps and stuff because they don't want to use sulfates. They're starting using co-washes because they don't want to clean their scalp because it's going to dry their hair. I'm like, if you cleanse your hair and it gets dry, you put moisturizer in it afterwards or conditioner. Like you, there's a reason you do that. I don't just want build up and build up and build up and then you have other issues. I'm like, guys. If we could just take a second to like step back out of ourselves and be like, does this make sense fundamentally? Half of the things we see online we realise are a nonsense, but they play on our desperation. They play on the fact that hair is so intrinsically linked to like black women's value that if you don't have good hair or an appropriate length of hair or a certain curl pattern, you're often seen as like less than. And so they make you chase this kind of like ideal that isn't necessary and then push all these... useless things on you to make you feel like oh if I don't have this certain look or certain feel to my hair I'm inadequate when it's not that at all like it's literally just a bunch of dead cells it just needs to be cleansed and moisturized that's it all this extra wahala is too much for me guys she's so right you know we need to trust the professionals and not just the yappa yappa that we see on the internet and read on the blogs seriously though I think about everything that I've learned making this podcast so far and a lot of the themes that we've been discussing come back to and as Emily describes hair being so intrinsically linked to black women's value and therefore trying to conform to a preferred Eurocentric look which is often either a straight look or a looser curl texture which we also now know stems from colonial attitudes towards hair. This links all the way into how brands market products to us, the messages they bombard us with, what they convince us that we do and don't need to achieve certain looks. I've said it several times and I'll say it again. We need to take the power back when it comes to our hair. And in this case, understanding what we're putting into it, what our hair needs and what it doesn't. So if we take it back to basics, and I mean basics, basics, What are the fundamental steps we need for a very simple yet effective hair routine for Afro hair? You wash, you condition, you detangle, and then you use a leave-in. And then you style how you choose to. Like if you want to, you do twists, you might use like a a mousse or a um, gel to kind of give you like some hold or definition. 
if you want to wear afro you might use something you know like a blow dryer to stretch it out or something like that but it's literally shampoo conditioner moisturizer and how often should we shampoo every seven to ten days regardless of your style that's it simple just wash your scalp just that's all i ask you know wash your scalp and detangle your hair i don't <laughs> i'm not asking for much um yeah yeah that's it and you can use heat you can um you can use heat heat is fine that whole conversation with ebony was so loud to me my girl basically said that all the stuff we see online about pre-shampoo lock method maximum hydration co-wash you name it we actually don't need it all you need is a simple wash condition detangle and leave-in conditioner up until this point, I've been using a real cocktail of products on my hair, just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And it's very clear from what Ebony was saying is that I've been doing too much. So I decided to take Ebony's advice and bring it back to basics and see what difference it makes to my hair routine. Okay guys, so today is wash day and I am preparing myself to take on Ebony's advice. So I'm going to keep it super super simple, just a shampoo, conditioner, leave-in. That's all I'm going to do today. So let me get started. Okay, so that's my shampoo. And you know what this time let me make sure I don't put on too much conditioner I feel like what I've been seeing online is that the more product you put on the more curly your hair is but um is that really necessary I don't know so let me just keep it very very simple today I actually have like this hooded thing that I put on my hair dryer which I like to put on my hair after I've put the leave-in on just to make sure that my hair is completely dry so let's do that as well So it's been about four days since I last washed my hair and I've just topped up with a little bit of leave-in once just to, you know, pick up the curls again. And honestly, that whole wash day routine literally took about like an hour in total and it was so quick, it was so easy. My hair feels still feels really nice and soft and the best thing is that I'm not getting the, the flaking that I was getting before. I think that's because I've been using less products. So, listen, simplicity is key. Simplicity works. Like, we don't need to be doing all these different routines and regimes when it comes to our hair. We just need to understand the fundamentals. So now I understand exactly what my hair needs, but how do I style it? How do I maintain it? I think I will eventually go back to trying different protective styles and things like that. But one thing we mustn't forget is even if you are wearing protective styles, you need to protect your crown underneath. So I spoke to Mimi Cohn, who is a hairstylist extraordinaire, hairstylist to the stars. She's got her own salon in Notting Hill called Mimi A. Mina. And let me tell you guys, she took me to school. I was the student and she was the teacher. And with that said, 
I think it's about time that we all went to the Coiled School of Black Hair Studies. Now guys, get your pen and paper out because you're gonna learn today. Now let's start with the very basics. Hair hack number one, how to keep your hair moisturized. So the thing we have to understand about Afro hair is how our hair is naturally very dry. So basically when the hair come out of the cuticle, our hair is very tight coiled. So from the moment it come out of the cuticles, there is no more sebum going through. Treatment, treatment, treatment matters. Like deep conditioning treatment matters. Going under the wood, you know, when you put your conditioner, just don't just put your conditioner and rinse it. You can buy a hood at home that you wear the hood and just steam the hair. Then the product is going to really penetrate into the hair. Also, the other thing that is very important to maintain your afro hair is massages. Massaging your, your scalp is really important because it's going to help the hair to grow and it's going to give more element to the scalp to avoid it being dry and everything. Hair hack number two. How to get the most out of your products. The second thing is, if you decide to put any product in it, I will recommend that you wet it first. You can use a water bottle spray just to wet it because our hair, when it's wet, that's where it takes the most product. If you put product in your hair and your hair is dry, it will have to be cream in cream base because I don't know if you have had the experience to put an oil into your hair and you feel like it's just sitting on top of your hair. That, that is just because that your hair is dry and you're just putting something on it is sitting. What I realized opening my store as well is a lot of women, they just want to go and buy a shampoo or a conditioner or a mask for three pounds and expect the mask to do whatever they want. Actually, no, you have to invest in good products. Don't go to packs and buy a conditioner at £2.99 and think that is going to work for your hair. No, you have to research online and make sure that you find the right product. It's so important. So, so important. We don't invest in our hair. And here I want to just take the opportunity, Leanne, for you inviting me here to say to black women, actually, we need to invest in our hair. It's very important. If you want your hair to look good, you have to be ready to invest in it. If you want to wear nice bags, you want to wear nice shoes, your hair is your crown. You have to also use the right product for your hair. You heard it guys, the same way we like to dress nice, look after our bodies by going to the gym, you need to look after your crown too and feed it exactly what it needs. Now let's talk about hair hack number three. And I know some of you are guilty for this one. How to protect your hair at night. And at night when you go to bed, you have to actually re-nourish your hair and wrap your hair. Because if you go to bed and you're sleeping on cotton, and whatever happens, sometimes we have ponytail, sometimes you just go to bed with your hair naturally. Even when you have your hair cornrowed, if you go to bed without wearing anything that is going to protect it, in the morning you wake up and it's extremely dry. You just feel like your scalp is fading away. But actually, this is just because our hair is dry. And in order to maintain it, you need to keep it as moisture as possible. Those are the steps, in my opinion, that will really help you to actually maintain your, your, your hair. I've always said with this podcast that this isn't purely a natural hair podcast. This podcast is about black hair in all its forms and textures. As I rediscover my own natural hair 
and I just want to give you guys all the information you need to make more informed decisions when it comes to your hair. If you go back to episode 4 of this podcast, I explore the chemicals that go into relaxers and the effect that that can have on black people's health. However, I know that despite my decision to go back to natural, there are some people out there where relaxed hair is their hairstyle of choice. It's so important that you get your hair relaxed by a professional. So with that in mind, here's hair hack number four. Maintaining healthy, relaxed hair. You're going to be very surprised, but there is still a lot of women out there doing relaxers. One thing with relaxer is, relaxer is a very harsh chemical that you put into your hair. My first advice would be to really find the right place to have your relaxer done. Because if your hair is fragile, the hairdresser should use a milder relaxer. If your hair is very strong, the hairdresser can use a normal relaxer. But I, I use, we use only the normal or the, the mild relaxer. Those are the two relaxers you use. And when you come, we're going to actually look at your hair and see how, str how strong the hair is just to actually decide what is the best relaxer for you to have. It is very important to use mask weekly because you have put something very harsh into your hair, you need to come back and re-moisture it and just give it more moisture, more hydration. The second thing with relaxer, actually using heat protection when you're styling the hair, avoiding it as much as possible. Don't straighten your hair more than once every two weeks because your hair is relaxed. When you straighten it once, it will last you at least a good 10 days to two weeks. Serums are important. The only thing with relaxer that I would not recommend is putting oil. Like you can put heavy oil like castor oil if you are planning to have a wash day the next day. But you have to use mostly serum. Why serum? Because a serum is going to come and nourish your hair. But it's not going to make the hair look greasy. Because when you have relaxer, your hair is just straight and nice. Have you seen some women walking in the street and their hair is relaxed and is down, but the hair is sticking together? It just doesn't look nice. It, it just, she can't move. It doesn't give her any flow. That is only because she's putting too, way too much product because it's straight. When you put the moisture, it penetrates quicker than Afro hair. So the only thing you need to do is to use a good serum, use a good heat protector and do treatment weekly. Trims matter. It's important also to have your hair trimmed every two to three months. It's so funny because the way that you're describing how to maintain relaxed hair, I was basically doing it wrong for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? How, how was oh, your relaxed hair I used hair to journey? put so much product on my hair. I used to put a lot of oil on my hair, on my scalp. I didn't trim it as often as it should have been trimmed. I didn't use serums. I did use treatments, but not as not like as frequently as just your It has to be regular. Yeah. It has to be like every week. Which is... Every week you have to put something. Yeah. We learnt earlier in the series that you need to take as much care as you can when chemically treating your hair when you're using things like dyes and tints. The chemicals in hair dyes are almost as strong as those in relaxers. So this is hair hack number five, using dyes and tints. Bleach really dries your hair and there are different levels of peroxides in hair dyes. There is 10 volume, which is 2% peroxide, 20 volume, which is 6% peroxide, 30 volume, which is 9%, and 140 volume, which is 12%. For Afro hair, it is recommended to use the absolute minimum peroxide, 
which comes in 10 volume dyes. If your hair is natural and you've never done any, any tint or anything, it, it actually lighten up quickly. When you finish to color your hair, Again, you have to have salon visits regularly. You have to do deep treatment and condition. To be really honest with you, when it comes to our hair, deep treatment, conditioning your hair is very, very important. And when it comes to like tinting your hair, I think it's important to use ammonia-free products. For example, you have your hair is black and you have some grays coming in and you want to cover those gray, you want to just do a, a color a dye, then you have to make sure the stylists use ammonia-free products because that is less harsh. So the colors are oil-based, so it's not going to really be harsh on your hair. And that is very, very important. Ladies, I know some of you love a silk press every now and again. I have to say, when I had relaxed hair, I was addicted to using hair straighteners. At one point, I was straightening my hair every single day when I was going to school. Please don't ask me why, because I really don't know who I was trying to impress. <laughs> using heat on afro hair is actually fine as long as you properly protect your hair and don't do it frequently. This is hair hack number six, using heat on afro hair. Heat protectors are really important. Uh, Kera Care has one called Thermal Wonder and so far I think it's been the best for me to use in store. Also, there is this new trend that people want to do silk press. Have you heard about yes. silk press? Everyone wants a silk press. Believe me or not, Liane, when I reopened my store since April, my top service is silk press. Really? Why do you think Black that women come to the salon with their afro hair and they want to have the, the flexibility of wearing their afro hair and time to time come and have a silk press and have their hair straight. And it's fabulous because they want to keep away from the relaxer, but they want time to time to see how their hair looks straight uh, because they, they're going out or they're doing something special or they want to see how their hair is. I think this is because of the, hair, the Afro hair revolution. Women more and more want to wear their hair naturally. They don't want to do relaxer. They don't want to do any keratin treatment. They just want to have their hair naturally. And then they just realize when they have their, they have their hair naturally and they don't put any product in it, the hair is actually growing. But time to time, they do want to change their hairstyles. And with Silk Press, what we do, we use a silk infusion from Design Essential. Design Essential is actually a really, really great brand as well. And that silk infusion is like a blow-drying serum that contains silk, that contains also heat protector, and it's going to come and just really moisture and smoothen the hair. And on top of that, we're going to use a thermal wonder heat protector before we actually straighten the client hair. We mostly use like between 200 and 230 degrees, not more than that. And we recommend clients to actually not re-straighten their hair and normally last two weeks. But believe me or not, there are some hair, you know, we, you will do the silk press on it, you will straighten it. And then by the time they walk out, the hair is puffing back up. There are some Afro hair who do not like to be straightened. They just want to be in their natural state. So those are some great tips for if you have relaxed hair or if you want to leave your hair out in its natural state. But what if you are a certified member of Wig Gang, baby? It's so important that you take the time to maintain your crown underneath as neglect can cause damage and breakage. 
This is hair hack number seven. Protecting your natural hair while wearing wigs. So wigs, one thing that is amazing with wigs is when you wash, treat, conjure your hair and wear the wig, you can wear the wig. And then every two days, you can actually come and moisture your scalp. And you can keep the cornrows for like three weeks before you rewash your hair. You, you have to wash your hair when it's under the cornrows, of course, and then put the oil in it. But you can do this every three weeks. And this is really good if the wig is not too tight. If the wig is tight and the elastic band is just tight on your head, the hairline is not going to grow because the wig is too tight. That's why it's very important when you buy a wig to make sure that the wig is sitting perfectly, is fitted to your head and is not there is no movement and you don't feel like you are wearing a wig. You just feel like it could be your hair. People that want the wig to be so tight because they, they're scared that the wig will come out or, or stuff like that, they have to actually go for bespoke wigs because bespoke wigs are going to be better. Because the thing is, when you wear a wig all day, you want your hair underneath to breathe and the only moment the hair can really, really breathe is it at, it's at night. So during the day, the hair cannot breathe properly. So there's no point actually tighten it even more because then it's like not understanding. And this is hair hack number eight, protecting your natural hair while wearing weaves. And what I recommend with weave, what is the best protective hairstyle is when you use a closure so leaving none of your hair out but there are some women who have fabulous hair their hair is thick and is abundant so they can leave some out because they can just do the middle they can just put the weave on the middle of their hair and just leave the hair around and they can just put it up and put it back and style it but that hairstyle will ask you to be straightening constantly if, you, if you're not using uh, kinky hair because now we have like kinky hair that looks similar to afro hair if the person is not using kinky hair that's what they would need to do if they're using kinky hair then they won't need to do it it's very important for you to nourish your scalp it's very important for you to shampoo the hair every two weeks and uh, you can't keep a weave for more than six to eight weeks people that do weaves and keeps it for three months that is really bad news for your hair because when you come to the salon and we're taking the weave out the the hair is dirty you know, it happened to us to have a client who kept her wig for six months. Mm. And when we were taking the weave out, like my style is nearly fainted because it was just like so disgusting to see, you know. And when we were detangling it, like half of her hair came out mm. because she left it too long and it was tangled. The hair was just tangled. You can't leave your hair under a weave for six months. You have to make sure it's not up to, it's up to eight weeks and that's it. Mm. And when it comes to wigs, you have to always control it and just really not nourish the scalp and make sure that the wig is not too tight. Mm. Just quickly on wigs and weaves. Yeah. When we're thinking about the human hair, actually, how do you keep that mm -hmm. fresh for like, say, six weeks, eight weeks, however long you're going to wear it for? With wigs, it depends. If you were invested in a timeless piece, like if you were invested in a very 
expensive wig that has the hair quality is top top then you can keep that hair for a long time if you've invested in more of a fun collection a fun hair then you can keep it up to one year the hair itself to maintain your hair is when you come to the salon we put the weave or the wig on we style it for you the only thing you just need to do is to use a little bit of serum every two three days and if because you're taking the wig out and you know where you know sleeping with it and anything the style stays you know the curls you put in stays so after two weeks you can wash it at all because if you are, the hair is not quality hair what is going to happen is after three weeks four weeks it tangles and you don't feel comfortable and then you are just putting it in a you are just tucking it in the back so i am not a big fan of synthetic hair <laughs> and lastly hair hack number nine how to maintain braids braids is one of my favorite protective styles i have to say every time i get a new install I really feel like that girl, you know? <laughs> but you know how it is with the first couple days, you feel like you've got a whole gallon of water balancing on your head. There have even been a couple times when my braids have been so tight that they've given me a headache. I remember one time they were so tight, a whole braid fell off. Like the hair was completely ripped from the root of my scalp. On a whole TFL as well, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, these are Mimi's hair hacks for wearing braids as a protective style. When it comes to braids, ladies, it's so important to choose your braider right. So important. The problem with braids is when you have braids, sometimes you want to put it up because you look nice. You want to do just the bone up. But it's quite heavy, right? It's a lot of hair and sometimes you can feel the heaviness. Sometimes you go to bed, you're like, oh, which side am I going to sit? Am I going to sleep actually? Because you're carrying it with you, right? Mm. So because of all those elements I just talked about, when you are doing your braids, it's so important to choose the right stylist. We're going to just make sure. It doesn't matter if the middle of your hair is very tight because that's where your hair is the strongest, right? But anything from the back of your hair to your ears and to the top of your hair, your hairline, this is where our hair is the weakest. So you have to just really make sure that when she's braiding it, you have to just make sure that it's not too tight. It's better that the hair come out and then you braid it back yourself rather than making it super tight. Because if you make it super tight, I don't know if you've seen it before, have like little white, the cuticle is starting to show because the hair has snapped. And that is not because you're wearing braids. That is just the way the braids were done. So when you are doing braids, it's very important to have a consultation with the, with the stylist before you book with her and ask her exactly how she's going to do your hair and actually tell her that you don't want it to be tight. Tight braids are bad news for our Afro hair. And the second thing is water bottle and some oil. So you can spray the water bottle into your hair, put the oil and just massage it. Because sometimes you wake up and you feel like your braids are dry from the scalp. So you just water spray it and just use your serum again and just massage your scalp and that's about it. Guys, I hope you've been taking notes upon notes because to be honest, I cannot believe the amount of this stuff that I didn't know before. But before class is dismissed for today, I wanted to hit you with just one more thing. Now, to oil or not to oil? That is the question. 
All my life I've been told that you've got to oil your scalp to prevent dandruff, natural oil's the best, castor oil can make your hair grow. And, and this was a huge shock to me, oiling your scalp is actually bad for your hair. Ebony explains why. A couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's just unnecessary. So if you go back to like the structure of the hair and the, the surrounding bits and pieces in your scalp. So every hair has like a sebaceous gland attached to it. And the sebaceous gland will excrete like an oil or sebum, which most people are like, familiar with. That is like a waxy kind of like substance that will coat their hair and the scalp. Now for Caucasian or people with straighter hair, that's what causes their hair to be a bit more greasy. Um, for Afro hair, it kind of stays closer to the scalp and the skin. We need to get rid of that. But when we oil our scalp, as I said, our body likes to regulate itself. So it will kind of be like, oh, there's lots of oil here already. I don't need to do anything. And so they kind of like don't work as well. And also we have like lots of microorganisms living on us. So we have bacteria, yeast, fungus, all that kind of stuff, just chilling, living on our scalps. Their favorite food source is oils and oily, fatty things. So when we get put oils on our scalp or keep them on there long term, they are just like, oh, you not seen this buffet? Are you not? Fam, they are chopping life. And that's where we get symptoms like flakes and dryness and itchiness. And for me, the best remedy for like itchiness or like flakes and stuff is the shampoo because it's our body telling us there's something here irritating me. Gear off, gear off, gear off. But we'll just put more oil and then it would be like, okay, I'm calm for a little bit. But then it comes back with a vengeance and we get stuck in that cycle. It's just unnecessary. If you're scalp or any other part of your body is dry use something more moisturizing like a lotion or things like that like using something fat like oily is counterproductive friend of the podcast and fellow trichologist shelley mcdonald explains why we as black people have been led to believe that oiling the scalp is beneficial for our hair so here's the thing if you oil your scalp and you don't have any reaction and it, that's absolutely fine for you. I think Asian and African culture is, it's part of what we do. However, where did that all come from? So one of the things that I looked at is I thought, well, why do we always oil our scalp? And actually it started probably post-slavery or just before okay. where we were using the oils to kind of sleek our hair down. So, I think that's where this is all stemming from. Yes, we moisturised our hair, mm. but applying it to the scalp is an absolute no-no because you're not washing your hair all the time and you should. And that brings me to the other myth, which is about washing our hair. So the two kind of tie in. Just imagine that you're oiling the rest of your body. You're applying these moisturisers and then you don't wash it for another week, two weeks, three weeks. So um, <laughs> that hopefully will get you thinking. Ideally, bringing it onto the other myth is you should be washing your hair at least once a week mm -hmm. because if you're applying um, moisturizers, oils onto the hair and scalp, they need to be washed off. We all have yeast and bacteria that live happily on our skin. But when that balance is upset, then you can have all sorts of irritation happening. Mm. So those are the two main ones that we tend to believe. Oh, let me let me let me check the table a little bit more. I don't use oils on my hair either. 
Again, I like well-formulated products. So if I'm using like a leave-in or something, it's got oils listed in the ingredients. I find that it works better than just putting oils on my hair. On my hair. If I touch my hair or someone else's hair and there's residue on it, you're using too much product because that oil is just sitting on top. Oil and water don't mix, so um, you're not hydrating or moisturizing your hair. You're still going to get some kind of moisture loss. And then if in the week you're trying to put moisture into your hair, you can't because you've got a layer of oil on top. Um, so you're just wasting products and your hair is just going to be dry underneath. Like It's just dry and greasy and no one wants to leave like their signature head print when they're walking around and stuff. Um, so if you do like this, I call it the swipe test, you touch your hair and you can feel like there's residue on your hands. You've used too much product. Like same way when you moisturize your skin, you don't want to go that like any longer than like half an hour and feel like there's cream on your body. Do you know what I mean? You can tell that your body's been moisturized, but you, you don't want to feel it on it. Guys, touch your hair right now. I'm touching mine. Is there residue coming off? I can't lie. I've got a little bit and I am so guilty leaving my head print on the car window or on the train window. You know what? We all just really need to relax on the products and just use the small amount that we need. And when it comes to oil, leave it alone. I did not know this before, but it's a breeding ground for organisms to grow and can cause more irritation than it's worth. And isn't it funny how this habit stems from post-colonial times when oil was used to slick down Afro-textured hair to make it appeal more Eurocentric? What I've learned at the Coiled School of Black Hair Studies is that often brands, and I'm mainly talking here about mainstream brands that have product lines for black consumers, often market products to us in order to chase a certain look. And this look is often Eurocentric in some way, shape or form. We need to understand as black people is that we decide what look we want to go for. We have so much choice when it comes to our hair and we just need to make sure that we understand the fundamental elements of caring for our hair, which is making sure you shampoo and condition frequently, don't allow products to build up in your hair, and you really only need a couple of styling products to achieve whatever look it is that you're going for. And with this in mind, I just want to remind you guys how important and beneficial it is to buy black when it comes to your hair products, because then you're buying from people that know our hair texture, who know the fundamentals that it needs to look after our hair and provide good quality products that allow our hair to be in its natural form without chasing a certain look. The same thing applies when wearing protective styles like wigs, weaves and braids. Our hair can get very dry and can also become fragile when constantly pulled by the weight of protective styles. So it's so important that you protect your crown underneath. We've talked a lot about black women's hair in this episode, especially in terms of styling, but the basics of looking after black hair applies to men as well. But fellas, listen, I have not forgotten about you because in the next episode, I will be exploring black men's relationship with their hair. Don't feel afraid or shy about, you know, wanting to care for your hair. Like, it is just as important as the rest of you. Let's not neglect it the same way that, you know, that you care for your beards and stuff and whatever. Like, hair care is also important. Thank you for listening to Coiled. Coiled is hosted and produced by me, Leanne Alley. 
The assistant producer is Sylvie Carlos. The theme music and closing music was composed by Oni Iroha. If you do anything after listening to this episode, share it with a younger sibling, cousin, friend or anyone you think who needs to hear this so that we can empower the next generation to embrace and love their afro hair because all hair is good hair make sure you listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review you can follow us on instagram at coiled podcast so you never miss an episode you can also use the hashtag coiled podcast on twitter to let us know your thoughts on the episode what have you learned what surprised you let's keep the conversation going i'll see you next time